Welcome back, everyone. We're back. Long-awaited Fake Nerds Watch for Star Trek Picard. This is for Episode 4 and 5. I have them. Watcher, Episode 4, and Episode 5, Fly Me to the Moon. Look who's prepared today. I'm Brandon T. McClure. With me is Cookie from Just a Little Podcast. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. I'm jazzed to finally be back talking about Star Trek Picard. Yes, sir. You and me both. Uh, we did we did skip last week. It was... Uh, actually, I skipped all my shows last week. So, you know, if you've been following the Fictor podcast, we didn't do an episode that week either, so... But you guys have some big things coming up in the near future, which is nice. So. We do. There's actually some pretty big announcements you want to see on this on this week's episode. I'll just say them here. Uh, uh, one of our podcasts on our network won an award. That's pretty cool. So just saying. Awesome. Uh, and then we're doing a we're doing an award show for uh, just kind of the things that we talked about on our, on our show this week. Uh, this week. Great stuff. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Star Trek Picard. So let's get, get off with Star Trek Picard, Season 2, Episode 4, Watcher. Yes. What did you think of Episode 4? Loved it. I yeah. This is, I we talked about it last time you and I sat together, and we kind of talked about it more in regards to um, a totally different series, but Picard has really been a shining beacon of hope for, this, for Star Trek as a whole, especially in Paramount. Um, and I say that because it's live action. If it was uh, animation, I think it wouldn't hit as much because not a lot of people tend to gravitate towards animation versus live action. Sure. So I think that this is the beacon of hope for Paramount Plus, and the writing is exceptional. The directing is exceptional. This episode was directed by a Back to the Future cast. It was and Leia Thompson. It, it, it was perfect. It was perfect. So good. Yeah. I really liked this episode. There was a lot of things. Here's the thing. So first off, let me just... I did not like the Book of Boba Fett. I did not think it was a good show. I'm well, sorry. I know you did. I know you did. <laughs> I, no shame. I, I, I'm I, of the opinion, like what you like, you got to own that shit. Because, like, you know, sure. you, don't, you don't want people bringing you down for the things you like. Personally, I did not care for it. One of the big reasons was because I don't think it's right that what we're doing with Luke Skywalker. I think okay. we're, I think what we're doing with him is is a travesty. So, when a certain character walks on screen, being recast, I was ecstatic. I was like, "Yes, thank you. We're not doing this weird robot thing anymore. We've recast a character." Yes, and it works. So the character I'm talking about is, of course, if you've seen the episode, it's Guinan. Yes. I loved it. and I loved how they how they used the continuity in a special way by saying she appeals to her audience at that given moment. So if it's an older crowd that she needs to appeal to, she takes that form of whatever form she needs. And it was yeah. it worked. Yeah, I think it, it works because like we've seen Guinan about this age because she she doesn't age the same way that, that humans do. Like, remember there's the episode, and we're going to bring up this episode later, but Time's Arrow, it's a famous two-parter of, of Star Trek where they meet Mark Twain. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the we've seen her, right? We've seen her in the past where it's, it's still Whoopi Goldberg because at the time, Whoopi Goldberg was able to play that character, oh, both young and old. Mm -hmm. She's no longer capable of doing that. So it makes sense to, that you recast that char that that character, you recast that actress because, and it doesn't take anything away from Whoopi. It's just Correct. the story needs Guinan, 
and we need so what do we do we recast that role and it's the same thing like i'm sorry but real quickly like if you're going to if you're going to if you're going to require luke skywalker so much recast i'm done i'm staying silent <laughs> i already bitched about it enough on our book of boba fett patrons watch episode i don't need to do it here I, I, I want to I want to be honest with you, Cookie. I was really rooting for Book of Boba Fett for those first four episodes. I was like really into it. I was like, hell yeah, this show's great. I'm into it. And then it really took a nosedive for me. See, okay, for me, I I went into it open minded, and I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, one of the things that since I love Star Wars is a big thing for me. I know it might sound mean, especially on this type of show, but Star Trek is a little bit lower than Star Wars. It's a sure. lot lower than Star Wars for me. Just because that's that's my bread and butter type of thing. Yeah. Um, no, I get it. I get it. When it comes to all the shows that I've watched for Star Wars, there is a show called Resistance, which is an animated series. And the reason why they created it was literally to go and they said, hey, this is a filler until we get more Star Wars in place. So we're going to put out two seasons. That means absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's it's true. It's just something that happens in a distant world. And it works. And I feel like Boba Fett was that Mm. appealing to a nostalgic audience, a newer audience, bringing in a person that we all now love, which is Mandalorian, which is Din Djarin. We're also getting Baby Yoda. We're appealing to the old generation who loves Boba Fett. We're appealing to the old generation who loves Luke Skywalker. We're getting all the story tie-in. And all this is is just a filler series. Just a filler. That's all it is. We don't need to go into it. <laughs> uh, did you have you been watching Halo? By the way, I am. I that is one of my Patreon actually Patreon exclusive shows that I do. Oh. I recap or yeah recap review and rate the the latest episode. So after this show, um, by the time this airs, I already have that one dropped. But I actually have to go and record all that stuff later on. After Very this. cool. Yeah, uh, I'm. You know, it's fine. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh am i sitting with mike what's no, going on here i'm i'm sorry i really love the halo franchise and i honestly okay. don't know what what's what's not working for me in the show because i'm watching them like it looks like halo yeah just for mike whatever reason it. it's just not working it's it's an alternate timeline number one and then number two which uh mike pointed out to me and i tried not to look at it this with this um lens yeah but it is sci-fi channel tweaked a little bit yeah i get that you know what i will say a lot of practical effects and i appreciate the hell out of that i love that i yeah. love that anyway they do cgi i don't really care so much for but it's the sci-fi reaching for something with a budget that they might not have yeah i was tweeting about it earlier today because i watched episode two today we'll get to start your card guys don't worry um and like i was I watching seen episode two yet so no spoilers oh, no spoilers and i was okay. watching it and i was just like you know there's just something not this is something that's not clicking. It's like okay. it's like it's like when you look at a it's like when you look at a at a gear and it's like not quite where it needs to be. It's it's missing that one click to get it yeah. to where it needs to be. And I don't know what it is. I'm not a writer. I am a writer. I'm not that you kind of writer. Say, and you're an editor, so I don't know what you you have no excuse there. I'm not that kind of writer. <laughs> anyway, I might I don't know. Maybe I'll explore that later. Doesn't matter. We're here to talk about Star Trek Picard. Sorry, guys. It's been a while since, since Cookie and I have sat down. The last time you saw us was the last time we saw each other. Exactly. Yeah. It's been a while. 
So anyway, let's talk about Starship Picard. So they've they they they've crashed. They're all on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on, let me look at my notes because it's been a while since I see this episode. Um, okay, so this is the episode where they go into the abandoned chateau. Yes. Uh, Raffi, Seven, Raffi and Seven are looking for Rios, who's been taken. Correct. Um, and Picard have no heat in the, in the La Serena, so they go to the, to the, to the Chateau. Interesting little bit of canon that they've established is that the Chateau Picard was abandoned for hundreds of years. Yes, and it was in World War II, mm-hmm. during the Nazi, uh, invasion, and it was, his family, like, sought refuge underneath the tunnels of the chateau, which I thought was really cool, and they headed down to England. Yeah, so that was very interesting. I like that. It's it's a fun. I don't think it was ever necessary to explain why an Englishman had a French name. I never mm. thought. I never that never bugged me. Um, but I, it is kind of a fun little like. Oh, this is if you cared, this is why. Yeah, it's like trivia. Yeah, it's like trivia. Like, well, why does Picard actually have an English accent? Oh, it's because his family lived in England for sent for generations. Um, Chateau Picard, apparently, I don't know if this is true, but a lot of people online are talking about how, uh, there is a wing of Chateau Picard that is not in the future that we're seeing in, in the past. And that's the wing that burned down, that killed Robert and Rene. His brother, yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. That is, that is very cool. That is extremely cool. Yeah. That make that make literally makes my wheels start turning. And what that is, that's so cool. That's the kind of if that's true and not quite an accident. Because look, there is an extra wing on that chateau in, in the past. Like if that is in fact the idea that what they went for, mm-hmm. uh, that's the kind of attention to detail that has really uh, uh, been appreciated in this season yep. of Picard. That kind of thing that like, you know, it's it's background noise, but it's it's something that helps me as a fan fall in love and fall more more immersed into the show. Correct. I agree. I definitely agree. And I think that this showcases the writers, the directors, the producers that it seems like majority of them, if not all of them, are Star Star Trek fans. And they enjoy being involved in this world and bringing this world into a new light, but into a new light that appeases to all generations. And I love it. Yeah. That. You brought it up how it really feels like Picard has become like this golden child for Star Trek. And it is true that I don't think I've been as enamored with a, with a live action Star Trek show since the last golden age of Star Trek mm-hmm. that ended with enterprise. Yes. Right. Like discovery is good. Sometimes, sometimes it's good. Most of the time it's fine. Um, and I love uh, lower decks, but there's like, there was no live action Star Trek show that I've been, that I've fallen in love with. And I'm, and I, I am so scared at how much I am falling in love with Star Trek Picard season two. I'm so happy. It makes me happy because I told you season one, I enjoyed it. I was so happy. And I think maybe it's because I'm a big fan of uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. Mm, and sure. even with this, we talked about it when we first had the first episode. I'm a big fan of Mark Bernardin, which is comic mm-hmm. book writer and uh, a director now as well. And he's also done a lot of writing with other shows, but including Star Trek podcaster so it's like seeing the fact that his name is on there it does it brought me a lot of hope and Mm -hmm. that hope is actually coming to fruition with this episode and episode five which we'll talk about at a later date but the fact that we were seeing stuff happen the way we wanted to happen 
it just you can't help but smile and you can't help but get goosebumps which happened for me in this episode happened for me in the next episode as well yeah so let's go through some of my notes that i have here um agnes continues to be the mvp of the show yes yeah uh, yes as of episode four yes we can't talk about episode five yet that's important but episode four her um when she's in the chateau with picard and they're kind of having this moment together and you know she's talking about it oh it's so weird for me to think of you as a child mm-hmm. um you know and sh- and he discovers that like she's picking all these numbers 15 what does that mean all good stuff yeah all good stuff i really into i was really into that but do you want to talk about the coolest cameo in the whole world? Go for it. The punk rock bus person. Okay, so that I didn't know who it was. Maybe you can enlighten me on it. But I was just like, was it needed? Was it not needed? I thought it Yes, showed- it was. Yes, it was needed, sir. And I'll tell you why. Because if you are a... You know, you've already said that Star, Star Wars is your bread and butter. Star Trek is mine. Okay. Um, do you recall the movie Star Trek for the Voyage Home? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the guy on the bus with the boombox so loud that Spock pinches him and he passes out? No. That's the same guy. You're kidding me. No. What year was that, though? That was 1984. No, no, no. I mean, during the movie, like, what year were they in on that bus? 1984. They went back to the same year the movie was, was based in. But then... He'd still yeah. be alive. He's not that old. I guess, yeah, yeah. He's not, yeah. He, he was he was like a kid, right? He's not like a kid, but he was like maybe but early twenties. Twenty twenty five now. Twenty twenty four, please. Twenty twenty four. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. He'd probably be, he's not that. He's still it was the same actor, so he's still alive. Obviously, yes, yes you're right. You're right. Technically, yes, you are right. It's so fun real fact. Life, he's alive. So one. So, so, so fun fact. That is the, two years isn't gonna kill him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same actor. It's the same. So he was able to get a lot of the people who wrote that original song "I Hate You," which mm-hmm. is the song that's playing on the boombox, and they wrote a song called "I Still Hate You," which is the song he's playing that's on the funny. bus in in Starship Picard. That is funny, and it's it's fun because. This season of Star Trek Picard, I, w- I rewatched Star Trek for The Voyage Home after I watched that episode. Okay. This season of Star Trek Picard is very similar structurally to that movie. It uh, that movie doesn't have alternate realities, but like it is very much a similar. Kind of, they go back in time. They struggle to find their bearings. They have to, they have to figure out the mystery of how to da da da. Very similar, and I think that's pretty, pretty interesting. Well, that that movie worked back then, and I thought it was a fantastic movie, in my opinion. Yeah, and I live next to that aquarium. Do you really? I did, yeah, when I was a kid. Okay, that's cool. Um, so it's like, if if it's not broke, don't fix it. Whereas, sorry to say, Discovery, it's broken, guys. Fix it. We, we need it <laughs> fixed. But that is a really cool concept, and I like that a lot. I think that, like you said, it's definitely a really nice nod to people who have that memory of star wars or star wars memory of star trek but for me since i didn't remember that at all mm-hmm. i thought it, i took it as seven and nine has this this way that she evokes a presence like hey when i mean shut up 
I mean, shut up and you do what I say. Sure, it is very much for a mo- it is very much a moment for hardcore fans because he does the thing where he like holds his neck, remembering that Spock killed him. He didn't <laughs> kill him, but like Spock like knocked him out. Yeah, we'll get into the time travel mechanics about that in a bit. Sounds good. Um, but yes, I what the hell does this say? I love the music. <laughs> I can't read my own <laughs> handwriting. I really like the music in this season, by the way. Since that's, a, that's, that's on there. It's good music. Good callbacks to the, to the original themes. But yeah, so going back to like the punk rock dude, he's... It, it's really cool to kind of bring in those kind of nods because you didn't have to. Okay, yeah. But you're like, yeah, why Seven not? and Rafi are on a bus. Who's on a bus? Yeah, like why not do it? Makes sense. Maybe he's going to a punk rock convention and he just decided <laughs> to be like, hey, I'm going to relive my glory days for a minute. That was good. It was good. Yeah, I liked that a lot. I liked that quite a bit. And it's very funny to me that you didn't notice that. Yeah, it just... Once you brought it out to me, I was like, oh, you're right. You're 100% right. Yeah, apparently he's a director, a TV director as well. That's cool. He's not an actor anymore. Um, So, yeah. So let's go through some more of my notes here. Um, let's go, We talked about Guinan. Let's talk about Guinan. Okay. Because I both love and hate the Guinan moment. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy that we have established that Guinan is still in the past in 2024, but she's leaving because where we saw her in Time Zero in, 19, in 1893, time kind of got worse for people like her. Yes. Uh, so, like, as time went on, to see her kind of be beaten down is uh, difficult mm-hmm. uh, for her to stay there. And I liked that. But I didn't like that it was the same bar. Okay, so I think that that was like her her way of showing her resilience to society and resilience to the hate of people on Earth. And her, it, it kind of showed like she literally has done everything and anything she possibly could to help humanity out. Well, so what I'm talking about specifically, I because in the future, in 2401, she has a bar called 10 Forward. Yes. In in 2024, she has a bar named 10 Forward. Correct. Like, in in 2401, the idea of it being 10 Forward is a nice nod to her having served on 10 Forward on on the Enterprise. Correct. But in twenty in twenty twenty four, that just feels like wait. So she named the bar on the Enterprise Ten Forward, based I, I on her bar from the early twenty first century. Yeah, because I it, like I was saying, it, it for me it shows her resilience to humanity that she's done all she can do, and mm-hmm. where where it was there as far as Ten Forward in this timeline, and where it is on Enterprise is two different spectrums of the hard work that she's put in and the resilience she's put in to see humanity become what it is today or what it is in the future. Like that's very poetic, but no, change the street name. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, like I, all, I, it's I all, in, in 2024, does it need to be called forward Avenue? Like you can have, you can have it like in the future, it be, it gets renamed to forward Avenue. And then that's where the, that's where like she, it's like, oh, that, that's what I want it to be called because now I own this bar. And then, but having it still be 10 forward, it just, it kind of takes away 
the tribute of the bar in 2401 for me it's not a it's not a it's not a universe breaking thing it's just kind of like a i i wish you had done that a little differently do you think that she is 10 forward and 10 forward is her no because the brit the 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 ship the 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 bar on the ship is on the 10th deck in the forward section Correct. so 10 forward yes it was then, just a coincidence. I, I think that it's like maybe it's like maybe it's a poetic version, like you said of me. Maybe that it's just a, a symbol like symbolic design to say that ten forward is Guinan and Guinan is ten forward. If you take Guinan out of ten forward, it's not gonna be the same ten forward. Change the street name. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. It's nothing it's nothing that I'm like it doesn't take away anything from yeah, me. For sure. It is just something like if I am being critical, that is something that kind of, I rubbed up against. Mm -hmm. I did have a question for you. Shoot. I don't know if you know this. Is the pitbull the same pitbull that Picard had? As far as like, is the actor pitbull the same one that he had in F in season one? I don't know. I don't know. It was funny the the relationship that he had with the pitbull, and it loved him, and he's like, oh well. I, I show no like no form of harm to you. Yeah, it could be it could be the same the same pit bull. Um, that'd be a cute little nod, yeah. but I don't know for sure. Gotcha. Do you? Excuse me. Did you ever watch the Practical Jokers? Yes, I love that show. Did you recognize the guy who picked up the pit bull? No. He's Q Quentin. What's his name in the Practical Jokers? Oh, now you're gonna kill me. Uh. Oh man! Wow. All right, what's his name? Oh, my 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 friend my friend likes him because he watches in practice. I've only seen a few like skits. I like it a lot too. I watched quite a bit with my mom. Now you got here. me curious. Let's see, Let me see. It. Let me see. Brian Quinn. Brian Quinn, yes. Yeah, that's that's who that is. He's actually good friends with uh with Kevin Smith, and probably that's maybe a reason why he's on there because he's a he good really likes. He really likes Star maybe. Trek, maybe. But he really likes Star Trek, apparently. Yeah, I thought that was a that's a cool little nod for anybody who likes Practical Jokers. Um, let's see. Yeah, I just I, but so let's talk about Guinan. Guinan herself. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of good to be done with bringing in Guinan, and I'm glad that it felt like a, it felt like a story. Necessary moment, like. Guinan can take Picard to the Watcher, and so like that's so they need to kind of reconvene. However, there's been a lot of discourse about this online. I'm not, and I kind of hesitate to bring this up because I found myself in the middle of it when I first when I first watched the episode, and I did not appreciate that. There is some discourse about the fact that why doesn't she remember Picard having met okay. her in 1893? Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Did you even remember that they've known it, that no, they I met? Did, each I other? did, trust me. And I it, it was something that it came into my mind and it just left as fast as it did. Yeah. And I think it's probably the healthy response to that. That um Picard actually says to her, and this is what like kind of saved it, was Picard said to her, I need you to help me figure out what's wrong with this timeline. 
I think that there's a there's also a case to be made that when he says what his name is, she she recognizes it. Mm-hmm. Because she said that it was okay. Okay. Yes. 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 Because they immediately got into the the vehicle right yeah. after that. My name is Jean Luc Picard. Okay, let's talk. Like there is something that can be taken from that. Now, the official stance from the showrunner and the production designers and everyone who works on the show, because I follow a lot of them, and they're doing a great job. The official stance is the is the idea was that because the future was altered, so was the past. Called it. See? I said so, it. So, the idea would be that because the future was altered, Picard never went back in time to 1893 and never met Guinan. I don't know if you remember this. I said at the beginning of the episode... But the, the director is a Back to the Future star, and she knows that when you go on this timeline and you go back, you no longer can continue on this. You create an alternate timeline. Doc Brown explained it on the chalkboard very well. Let's do this. Okay, so that's not the case for Star Trek. Not <laughs> always the case when it comes to Star Trek. Every every time travel... Uh, every time travel... Uh, in Star Trek, because there's ve- there's many different ways you can travel through time within Star yeah. Trek. Each one of them comes with their own rules. Okay. Right? So, when Nero went back in time, due to the Red Matter, he destroyed the Kelvin and created the new timeline. That right. was, that's the Doc Brown rule. That's yeah. he, he but, ended that. Right, he ended, he ended, because it's the end game thing. You can't, if you go back in time, it's still your future. You cannot change your past because it's still going to be your future. Correct. Whatever that means, <laughs> but <laughs> so the other so so if so the the slingshot method has only been seen to take something from the past and bring it to the future. We've never seen it done in this method before. Do the opposite direction. Okay. So now that they've used the slingshot method to go back in time, and see, then Gerardi talks about it too. Like Gerardi's like, no, you know. If we change the past, will Elnor come back? We don't know, because either we exist outside of time or we now are part of a fixed timeline. Will we even remember that we... You know, it's, a, it's the thing. So, like, if you... If you go back in time to before the thing was changed, shouldn't theoretically the timeline be intact before that moment? It should be. It should be. Well, and, that, and that, that's the thing, like... And I'm fully, I'm fully willing to admit, and I don't want tweets about this. God damn it, I don't I want to get into this on Twitter. <laughs> uh, time travel in Star Trek has never been consistent. Okay. There has never been a moment where that, where that, that has been consistent. Story rules trump time travel rules always. Mm-hmm. So if that is the story they're going for, the idea that because the future was changed, so was the past, cool. But then why does the punk rocker still remember being choked out by Spock? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, right. I'm trying to. I, uh, there was. I'm trying to remember. Because why would Spock? Issue. Spock would not be part of the Confederacy. Correct. So. There all right. You go. Where's this thing from? It's it's literally on the tip of my memory, and I'm trying to remember where it came from. Maybe I know. Describe but it. It's for like me. these memory imprints that you have, even though they didn't actually happen. You the have project. Imp- Say again. The Adam Project? I don't. I don't think so. No. Okay. You should watch that. It's good. Oh, I did. I loved it. I oh yeah, cool. I loved it. Yeah, great, great, fantastic. Yeah. I can't remember what it is, but it's like when that happens, there's an imprint that's subconsciously left on you, almost like if you if you believe in reincarnation, 
and then you feel that deja vu situation happen. It's like, oh, that was my past life type of thing. So sure. he feels his neck almost as if it's a reincarnation. He doesn't know why he's feeling his neck, but he just feels it for some reason. And it's just a little subconscious tweak that happens in his brain. You know, I have been in this debate for two weeks and I've never heard that explanation. And I applaud you, sir. I like that a lot. <laughs> the idea that it's a cool idea that like he doesn't have a memory of it, but there is an imprint of a memory of a past life that he no longer has. That uh, that yep. he yeah, that's kind of that's kind of neat. I've been to that. Awesome. I don't think that's awesome. it. I don't think that's it at all. There's but that's cool. I like it. Out. We need the showrunners. We need somebody to reach out to. Well, you here they are. You. Here they are. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I. Uh, yeah, I. I don't think it matters ultimately. Um, I'm willing. Like, I, I'm. I'm with the showrunners. Like, you know, if they say this is what it is for our story, sure. Yeah. You know, like. That's that's what it is for their story. Story rules, time travel, time travel rules, always. And at They're, least with Joe, they, they haven't failed us. Yeah, and I don't think, I I think that there's been, I think the fact that they were in the debate shows that they did think about this. Like they they didn't forget about Time Zero. They knew what they were doing. They were like, okay, well, if they go back in time and meet Guy, would they remember? And this is what they settled on, based on the rules that their story dictated. And there was really no way else around that. Correct. And it works. It works. Yeah, you know, I don't mind it. It's not something that breaks the show for me at all. I did have a question with Guinan. Before we find out about who the Watcher truly is, do you think that she... Did you think she was a Watcher? No, because she's an Elorian. Elorians are listeners. It was a very important thing that they said Watcher. Elorians aren't Watchers. They listen. Ah. Oh. Can't talk about it yet. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. Um, I never once believed that they when they talked about watchers, it would be Guinan. Okay. Because uh, because in Star Trek Generations, um Soren says, um, they call us a race of listeners, and I want to listen to you now. It's like so that's and and I don't think again, like I I do think that in the writer's room, they went through all these things. Like, could Guinan be a watcher? No, because she's, because, and they, and they, and they use watcher specifically because they wanted us to think that it could be Guinan when we meet Guinan, but the word watcher has never been associated with an Elorian. Right. So like, I just, I never, I never thought so personally. Gotcha. Okay. Cause I we will get to it, but I was honestly, I was trying to figure out the act. I had to look it up. Uh, Jeffrey Wright. That would have been hilarious. If Jeffrey they made Wright? Jeff- yes. If they made him the Watcher because he's the Watcher in Marvel. Oh, God. <laughs> You're right. That would have been perfect. If you just heard his voice, I would have busted out laughing. I would have been like, you guys are great. Do you think he's in, do you think he's in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? I think so. I yeah. definitely think so. I mean, they... He's too good not to. I don't know if I want that. We'll see. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay, we're not here to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that, by the way, the Strange New Worlds teasers that have been coming up on Twitter? It popped up on my feed. I haven't seen it yet. God, you should. There's all, all the sort of character teasers. I'm so hyped for that show. I'm so hyped right. for that show. That's good okay. stuff. Um, 
the time sickness bit for Guinan, that was cool. Yes, that was. Um, it's a nice little kind of extension of what we saw in yesterday's Enterprise when she, uh, when she like could feel that there was something wrong with the timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was cool. Um, Picard has a line that I love. Many, you, you told me that many tomorrows ago. Yes, yes, that's so cool. So good. So cool. There was someone who was complaining on, online that I saw uh, complaining about like the dialogue of this show, and I was just like, "This show has some of the best lines, like this one. Change always comes later than we think it should." Yes, and see, oh. what's cool about it is Sir Patrick Stewart is first uh, a theatrical actor, mm-hmm. and then he's a cinematic actor. So he has this way of providing dialogue so eloquently that it fits and i love it like once once he said that i was like this dude just he's so cool yeah and like i get that guinan is talking about like yeah you know we you know you know guinan is like i'm sick of this you know i'm tired of the prejudice of the century they are literally trying to destroy they're trying to destroy their planet yeah and i can't sit here and watch it anymore i just can't and and picard is trying to plead with her like don't give up because it change is coming. Mm-hmm. Like it will come. It's just not here yet. Yeah. You just gotta give them the time. And that it's it's so it's that beacon of hope that this show is and that Picard is longing for for Guinan to see. And it's just around the corner for her. Yeah. And I also really like how her heartbreak towards towards seeing humanity do with to what do what they're doing physical tears yeah and it and it parallels what she will experience when the borg destroy her world mm-hmm. you know that hasn't happened to this guy in yet the borg haven't destroyed the eloria but it's coming and so like yeah. you see how how much she cares about earth and she doesn't want and she's like I, i'm going back to eloria i'm going back home but like she's going to feel this pain again and that's yeah. really upsetting it is and then it also is like when Picard goes and says that you are my oldest friend. Yeah. I got straight goosebumps. I was like, oh my God. It's quite literally, and, that's true. Yeah. And it made me really realize that because once I saw her tears, I instantly, like you said, I instantly kind of gravitated back to her losing her entire race, her entire yeah. people. And it's like, if she doesn't stay, she does not, lo- she no longer becomes. Picard's longest friend. Well, you know, I do wonder how much of her leaving now. Like, if, like he's like, just give it a couple more days. Because I don't think she was ever going to stay on Earth. I do think that she leaves Earth periodically. I don't even know if she's been on Earth since the last time we saw her. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I, I don't know how much of what Picard is actually doing is changing the timeline. He, he, he wants his friend to stay, right? Yeah. He, wants, he wants a friend to stay. And I don't think... Guinan staying on Earth a day longer is going to change the timeline in any significant way. So then do um, you think it's um, selfish, a selfish manner of why Picard's doing it? Or do you think he truly believes that she has something to do with helping the timeline correct itself? I think it's a bit of both. I think okay. he believes that Guinan is important to what's happening right now. Okay. But I also think that he's being selfish in the fact that he wants to he wants a connection to his past on this earth he wants someone to go to if something doesn't go right he wants Skynan 
Gotcha. And I think he's also kind of aware that, like I said, like if Guinan leaves tomorrow, yesterday, whenever, it doesn't change the timeline. Mm-hmm. She's not an important figure in Earth's history. She'll never be because that's their pla- their species aren't meant to yeah. be. She's supposed to be, like you said, a listener. Yeah. So I think he's just kind of looking at it like, I there's nothing to lose if you stay. Okay. And I would really like it if you stayed. <laughs> but I also think he's worried that she'll... I think he's worried that if, he, if she doesn't stay, she will lose faith in humanity mm-hmm. and he'll never meet her anyway. Gotcha. You know, I think yeah. there's that too. I want, I want, I definitely want to see more of her. So, um, the the place that she gives uh, aid to is the Twenty First Street Mission. I don't know if you caught that. That is a that is where um, shit. What's her name? Kirk's girlfriend <laughs> from the nineteen forties. Oh, 1940s. Edith. Edith Keeler, I think, is her name. And so, in City on the Edge of Forever. Okay. Uh, the the famous Star Trek original yeah, series episode. Star, yeah, it's a brilliant episode. Did you ever oh, read yeah. the comic? I, I didn't know there was a comic for that. Okay, a comic for that story. So what happened was that story was heavily edited by Roddenberry, and there was an original story. I have it. Um, Hold on, wait. This is important. <laughs> where is it? It's somewhere. I have no idea where it is. That's kind of worrisome. <clears throat> I'm kind of concerned that I've lost this book now. <laughs> Where the hell is... Whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. I'll have to figure that out. Okay, so this is... This, so originally, I forgot who the writer is. I think it's Warren Ellis. But he um, originally wrote a much darker version of the story. Really? Yeah. Um, it was about drug... It was about the drug trade in the Federation and okay. uh, drug addict. But Roddenberry didn't want, to, didn't want that. He didn't want like drugs to be a part of the Federation. Mm-hmm. So honestly, fair. Um, so they rework they reworked it, and then budgetary restrictions changed a lot of it. So like, there's a comic that envisions the story as it would have been with no budget restrictions and no Roddenberry visions. Okay, it's very good. It is good. Okay, all right. Yeah. I have to see if I can find that. Um, I highly recommend it. Anyway. So the girl that that Kirk meets when he goes back in time, who runs the homeless shelter, yes. worked at the Twenty First Street Mission, and that's what Guinan gives supplies that's to. So cool, yeah. That is so cool. Like stuff like that. If, right. if you're a Star Trek fan, you can't help but smile. Once, of course, you recognize these things. Of course, they go above my head. But for you, thank God you're here that you can bring them to light for me. That one was picked up by Trek Culture. I do not want to take credit for that. I watched a video channel called Trek Culture, and they did these things, and I was like, "Cool!" I didn't. I honestly didn't pick that out, but that makes me more. That makes me happier now that I know it, because again, yeah. it goes back to something I didn't feel with the first season. Something I don't feel with Discovery. The the little details are the things that really excite you as a Star Trek sure. fan, sure. because. They're the ones that tell you that the people making this thing care as much as you do. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not saying I'm like one of those radical Star Trek fans who's like, oh, SJWs are ruining my Star Trek. I'm not that kind of guy. Yeah. I'm a simple man. I want bubble shields and 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 beam phasers. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> that will make you happy. That makes me happy. And like that, we get that. We see that stuff and we get those little details. Sanctuary cities, the 21st Street mission, things that like are 
Star Trek lore, Star Trek history mm-hmm. that you that just make you feel good. Yeah. Okay, let's see what else I got before we move on to the next episode. Agnes and Agnes and the Queen. Just, I just cannot get over how good they are together. They are. They they are, and I think that whoever decided to go and I guess cast Agnes. I don't know the actual actor's name, but whoever Allison Pill, Allison Pill. She she nails it. She like the first season. I didn't really care for her too much. And, she killed Bruce Maddox. Yeah, and the second this second season, she's re- she's had so much redeeming qualities that you can't help but just be the be happy for a win for her when she does get one. Yeah, uh, you got this thing where she's kind of playing with the queen in a bit, where you know they're they're so we tried to talk about Rafi and Seven, mm-hmm. uh, or or even um, Rios. Rios is in an ice internment center. Um, good stuff. I really like the bit with him where he's talking to the guys like, "I'm a, I'm the captain of a starship called the USS Stargazer of the twenty fourth <laughs> on the twenty fifth century, and I'm working blah, 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 and I got a cybernetic and I got a cybernetic person that's pretty sure wants to wipe out all life on this planet, and I think her cohort who's in a cybernetic body, and I'm not quite sure if it's got blood in it or or oil in it, <laughs> like the, the he's he's confused about Picard's role in life now, yeah. um. Good stuff. I really like Rios. I wish. I hope that we're going to start seeing more from him, because I do feel like these two episodes did kind of sideline him. Mm-hmm. Um, Rafi and Seven have a good bit. Have a good car chase. Yes. Uh, Rafi being completely annoyed at the LAPD is very funny. Her just like yelling at a police officer. I'm like, you can't do that. Well, like, she you, can. She can. I was like, do you want to get arrested? But she, she held her own. And like Seven's like, thank you for your service. <laughs> walks her away. It's just like I hate this place. Um, I think when the the car chase sequence is fun, um, and Gerardi wants connects the Queen to the to the transporter service, yes. so that they can get her, so that they can get him out. Correct. And she does it because she's like, you'll get access to me. We'll talk. Mm-hmm. You won't be alone. We'll talk if you do this for me. And then she lies to the queen. Which I have questions about, but we won't get to it now. Uh, Yeah, I figured that would come back to come back to bite her, which it does. Yeah, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode, episode four, and it ends with Orla Brady without her Romulan ears. Yes, and fascinating. So interesting. Mm Hmm. But before we get to that, there was a guy in the police station that when they sat back down and he was like, hey, like I overheard you guys. If you want to know where your friend is, he's probably with um, the the Border Patrol type of people. And nice. I wanted to know if there's any significance to that actor or if it's just a random guy that just kind of filled in. Because I feel I don't like know. so far we've gotten people who are – previously involved in star trek or have some connection to star trek and it's like wonder if this guy has any type of connection to star trek let me find out because i'm curious as well i probably not but it it would be kind of cool there you go sir you get some street cred all right let's see who this guy is by the way 
Michelle Hurd, who plays Rafi, her IMDb picture is smoking. All right. Now you, might, you called me into this. Now I got to look myself. Throw that out there. Um, wait. Who the hell is... I think I just got a spoiler for something. Oh, well. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, because there's someone credited who's not supposed to. I didn't notice, anyway. Uh, he's not credited. He doesn't... Oh, there he is. Yeah, this is him. Okay, let's see. He's been in a few things. So he's an actor. He is, okay. Well, I'm not sure he's been in any, anything Star Trek. Doesn't look like it. Um. Yeah, he does a bunch of like one episodes of things. I don't think he's. I don't think he's anybody. No offense to this actor. <laughs> like I'm just saying, I don't think he's anybody from Star Trek. Like, a, like he's not a callback. Gotcha. And yes, she does have a very wonderful picture. I will say that. <laughs> I'll say. Um. Okay. So the so the, the two things at the end were very interesting of this episode. One is Orla Brady being revealed mm -hmm. as the but watcher. It's not necessarily the same one we know no, from not... season one or the beginning of the season two. It's not Laris. Um, and the other thing is a blonde woman reading a Dixon Hill novel that Q is trying to manipulate. Yes. By the way, another thing from Trek culture that I thought that I think might be fun for you is, um, the observation place that she's walking out of is a Star Trek, the original series callback. Really? Yeah. It's a NASA. It's, it's about, it makes a thing. A thing. Oh, what's the thing called? Sorry, I haven't recently watched Star Trek, the original series. Um, is the thing. You know what? I will accept tweets about this one. <laughs> um, I am curious to be reminded about this thing's name. Um, anyway. It's a thing from TOS. It's a thing from TOS, yeah. Okay. Anyway, that girl was... So for a week, by the way, because I watched the, watch these when they come out. For a week, by all the right. way, we all kind of queued up to the fact that her credit said renee picard and we were like excuse me what we had and to wait a week we to know. figure that out so on that note why don't we go to episode five let's do it so episode five fly me to the moon great and it was directed by jonathan none frakes. other than yes sir the great jonathan frakes and cameo by leah thompson yes i saw that I did see that when she was on the board. I was like, that's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, for about a week, there was a lot of speculation about what Orla Brady's role would be, and it is it was confirmed pretty quickly that she is of the same not race, because Gary Seven's a human. Correct. But she is what from the same place that Gary Seven was from. Yes. He is which, a which is a a callback to a TOS episode. Real quickly, I've always wanted Star Trek to revisit concepts from the original series that they just kind of abandoned over the years. And I'm really happy we're doing this now. Yeah. I flipped. I flipped when the Guardian of Forever showed up in Discovery Season 3. <laughs> I was like, yes! This is Star Wars! I keep saying Star Wars. This is Star, this is Star Trek! This is not Star Wars! <laughs> this is Star Trek! Um... Because I love those silly concepts that we just never go back to. Yeah, um, for sure. And so Gary Seven was an interesting one because uh, it comes from an episode called The Simon Earth, which is which is important because the 
Uh, episode was supposed to be a backdoor pilot to a show called Assignment Earth, which was basically a ripoff of Doctor Who. It's like Gene Roddenberry's okay. American Doctor Who. Um, he and they retooled it as an episode of Star Trek, the Star Trek the original series. Blah blah blah. Anybody who's watching this knows the history of that episode. But it's really cool that we now get another Back one of that person. Yeah. We now get another one of this person played by Orla Brady for some reason. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. And that's what is cool is this just allows for more mystery and you can tell that the, the writers have put a lot of thought into it and it's like they, they don't do anything by accident. Yeah, I'm really happy to see more of Orla Brady because I was sad that we wouldn't get more of her. Mm-hmm. I was sad we didn't get more of her in season one. Correct. And like I'm really I was so I'm happy that she's back. I am a little bummed it's not mm, I can't say that. It might not be it might be Laura still. You think so? Well her pad is Romulan. Okay. Which is interesting because she's not Romulan. No, she's not. So we think. I, I remember I told you, I think she's a hybrid. You think Laris is a hybrid, is a human Romulan hybrid? Yes. Well, that doesn't explain Talon, is her name, I think? Yeah, Talon's her name, yeah. Talon? This new one. Yeah, her pad is Romulan. It's got Romulan letters on it. It's a, it's a, it's a Romulan triangle. It is a Romulan pad. Why would this human have a Romulan... Uh, uh, because she's a supervisor, technically. So she's been... Did she steal it from a Romulan? Or maybe she was get, Maybe she was trained by a Romulan to be a supervisor. Hmm. I think there's something. I think there's something more at foot. Okay. And I don't know if I'm willing to speculate that maybe Do they it. they Do took it. Laris from the future and wiped her memory and sent her back through the t- through time. That's not whatever these supervisors thing is because they're they're humans from that moment in time at least gary seven was i like that idea though because they did a little callback to picard looking at her and she was laughing drinking the wine and i can't remember the exact dialogue but Ugh, it was momulin <laughs> it was it was along the lines of like saying like he didn't want this or he didn't want her in a, in some form of fashion and that's why he never made the move because it wasn't yeah. the right time for him. And I think that this is maybe will a be. way of proving to Picard, like, hey, there is no right time. Like, time... I don't think this is Q. You don't think so? No. Well, we know that the species are not related to Q. Whatever species uses these humans... Look, okay, real quickly, the Gary Seven thing is confusing as hell because they are they are humans that are taken some six thousand years in, in the past, mm-hmm. bred to be the most perfect human beings ever, and then sent back to Earth okay. to observe things, to watch things. That doesn't sound like Q. And to kind of like retcon that to be Q would be strange. Okay. And she also doesn't recognize what Q is. That's true. Yeah, she. Or does she? I don't think it's Q. Okay, all right. I know where you're going. I'm sure other people have had this thought too. I don't think it's Q. Okay. But she has been tasked with watching over Picard's ancestor, Rene Picard. Yes. Which was Uh, wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Really cool to actually see 
another Picard. And like we we heard about her in the speech at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that she's important. Um, she was instrumental in early exploration of our solar system. I didn't quite think it would be this early. Um, I didn't think she was going to be this important. I don't know if she is. They, they seem like they're making it out to be like the world that we know as far as Star Trek doesn't exist without her. Well, so they make a point to kind of be like... So there's a couple of things here. So skipping towards the end of the episode when they're making the plan about what they're going to do. So their only cue that she's... I didn't mean to do that. Their only... <laughs> their only clue that she's important is that Q is interested in her for some reason. Yes. So they know that Q is grooming her for something. So she's trying... Q is clearly trying to get her off of the Europa mission. Why? Even Rios is like, so your ancestor is the reason? Like, that seems... That seems weird, doesn't it? And, and even... And even Picard is like, well, I don't know why. Because the records of this time period are wildly incomplete. We don't know why she's... The only only thing we know about Renee Picard is that she did this mission and she found a sentient life form. Mm-hmm. That's it. So I'm curious... I, I am willing to bet there's more to this. And I am almost willing to say that maybe she's the reason why the Confederacy rises. And they're actually doing a bad thing. It, it could work. Yeah, right? Because there's a lot of... Work. There's a lot of... Right now we're at the halfway point of the story. Mm-hmm. We're at the point where we're thinking that everything... That we got a plan. We know what's everything go, going on. The plan still has to go awry. And I think, potentially, the plan goes awry because they realize that their actions right now are causing the Confederacy timeline. That's definitely a possibility. Yeah. Do you remember Q was was talking to her, trying to go and imprint something into her mind, and he tried to snap his finger to make it reality. He's like, that's very interesting. Yeah. So I, I think that maybe, like you said on episode one, that the reason this is all happening is because Q is, something's happened to Q. Whether he's dying, whether his species are dying, something's happening to him. Mm-hmm. And he's t- trying to correct that through this game with time time is against him for the first time in his life yes because that's what he says to assume this is it's it's this is some really good writing it's juicy it is it is it's like um yeah it's good and there's so many different plots that are all subplots that seem like they form together to make one and what we're getting is we're getting we're getting the natural structure of a story of this of this type. We're getting every episode we get some we get some we get a little bit of a we get a little bit of an answer. Orla Brady's here. What's Orla Brady? Oh, she's a supervisor. This is what she's doing. Renee Picard is important. Okay, why is Renee Picard important? What's Adam Soong going to do? That's the next episode. And we'll figure out that. And so like we're getting the we're getting it we're getting it in a way that doesn't feel like Mm, I really hate to throw Discovery under a bus again, <laughs> again and again and again. Stop kicking it; it's already dead. Um, but like the idea of that. right, but like like Discovery didn't do this. Discovery spent four episodes spinning its wheels, doing nothing. We learned nothing new. But mm-hmm. 
every episode in Picard, we learn something new. We progress the story further to fit its 10 episodes. And I'm really appreciative of that. Yeah, they're they're packing it full. They they know their limit of 10 episodes. And it's like, we don't have the luxury of putting in a filler in here. This thing has to be jam-packed full of story. Each and every episode has to explain the overall arcing plot. And every every episode needs to give the audience something new. There needs yeah. to be some new information that the audience gets. And we are getting it, which I think you and I are both loving every episode. And each and every episode seems to get better and better. Yeah. So let's talk a bit more about let's uh let's let's get off cue. Cause I want to talk about Adam Sung. Okay. So Adam Sung, much like his his descendant Eric Sung from Star Trek Enterprise, mm-hmm. do you remember? Did you ever watch Enterprise? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's the three episodes. Uh, there's the three episode eugenics episodes with uh, Brent Spiner. Yes, I remember this. Um, he was revealed to be a geneticist, and then that's the was like oh, maybe I'll go into cybernetics. Um, <laughs> and so great like, voice, brother. great voice. Thank you. Um, and so we're seeing. It's a fun. It's a fun bit of continuity that in the past Adam Sung, which is the furthest Sung that we've ever seen in the timeline, um, is a geneticist still, mm-hmm. and it really sucks to be a geneticist post the eugenics wars. Yes, big time. Big, because big time. all of genetic experimentation is illegal, and he's like, but like we can cure people. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's been a lot of discussion about like, could this series because. To be fair, it is a little fluid where the eugenics wars fall within the within the timeline. Mm-hmm. There's some some places that have said it was set during World War Three, World War Three in the twenty the twenty fifties. Some the original series established it in the nineties. So there's there's a lot of discussion. I think this kind of firmly sets it back in the nineties because we're they're so against the idea. Like Leia Thompson talks about the idea of like. Uh, what you're doing goes against the blood of law convention. Like there's been a there's been a treaty that's been signed, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of confirmation. At least I took it as the eugenics wars have happened. Adam Sung is a geneticist trying to cure his daughter, but he can't because of the of the laws set by the eugenics wars. Correct. I agree. I definitely agree. And that's that, what I think anyway. It breaks your heart to see that, like it. He literally says that my daughter can't go out into the sunlight. She can't breathe the air because if she does, she will die. And yeah. I just, they're like, nope, sorry. You're revoked. Your your accolades are all taken away from you pretty much. And your funding is gone. Yeah. Because he's been he's been doing illegal experimentations anyway without yeah. them. And so, like, they're he's being punished. Um, so, the Soong family genome is very resilient. <laughs> Yes. Because every male looks like Brent Spiner. It's dead on each and every single time. I find that fun that you can always find a way to bring back Brent ben Spiner. He just plays a different song. <laughs> it's, um, it's good. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't too crazy about uh, Alton and Nigo from uh, the first season of Picard. I thought okay. it was a little weird that they were like, hey, surprise, Noonien had another son. <laughs> um. But I like the idea of, of going back further than Eric, you know, seeing Noonien, uh, sorry, seeing uh, Adam Soong. Adam, yeah. But the other thing is uh, Soji, the actress who plays Soji, mm-hmm. plays a Soong as well. Yes. She plays um, Corey Soong. 
which is a nice callback to the fact that Brent Spiner has always done the males. So now we get a, a, an actress who will always play the women. Yes, the same one over and over again. Yeah. Um, I thought that was cool. I like her. I'm glad that they brought her back into the show. And I like the dynamic that uh, Adam and, and Corey have, the, this kind of this father who wants to protect her at all costs. Mm-hmm. And and can't can't like he can't cure her because no one will fund genetic research. Correct. So there's another thing that I want to talk about a bit about Adam Sung. I know that he has the line where he says to Q, like if if you're messing with me, I'll kill you. I don't understand yet, and I'm very curious to know how this happened. How does he have a holographic statue in front of Starfleet in the Confederacy timeline? That says a hu- a safe galaxy is a human galaxy. How did that happen? Again, this goes back to I think the theory of because what's going on right now ultimately changes reality in the past. Well, no. So, so sorry, real quick. Let me like, let me let me clarify. So we know in the Confederacy timeline, mm-hmm. uh, they do this like they do this like sweep over of uh san francisco the confederacy headquarters there is a holographic statue of adam sung okay that's our first that's our first look at this character that we have now just met Mm -hmm. somehow he is very important to turning the timeline into the confederacy and i'm very curious to see how that happened do you think do you think he was to to answer for that well he's he has the he's the supposedly he's the guy that coined a safe galaxy as a human galaxy which we hear like general picard say in that hologram in the the second episode yeah so he's xenophobic in some way Mm -hmm. somehow oh you know what maybe okay let me roll something through you let me roll something through your ear holes. All right. Maybe he experiments himself on himself and and genetically because we know that genetic experimentation, with the exception of Julian from DS Nine, has more times than not created a tyrannical dictator. Okay. Maybe he, he experiments with himself to turn himself into a tyrannical dictator. He did say that he tested out the injection. On himself to make sure yeah. it was fine before he did he gave it to her and she's like i trust you yeah so, so perhaps those effects don't kick in because of his particular dna makeup yeah i i wonder if like they wouldn't have put a statue with him he wouldn't have a statue in the 24th century if he wasn't important correct yeah so i'm i'm curious to see how that happened uh and i really i really like that brent spiner's back i think he is always fun as a Sung. He always plays them differently, and he's always good. But he's kind of sympathetic at this moment. Mm -hmm. He just wants to cure his daughter. To which Q is like, I've got the the thing. I'll help you. And it's always... It just seemed... For me, it was like, instantly once that happened, I was like, it's too good to be true. It's Q. It's great. He doesn't know Q, but it's too good to be true. And Q plays it like a fiddle. He pretty much is like, dude, you've driven however many hours to get here, you're not going to walk away from me. You're going to sit down and you're going to hear me out. Can I play you something? Yeah. Okay. 
So the phone number on the business card, I don't know if you know this, but you can call it. I did not know this. So here, let me see if I can play it through my speakers. Let me see if you can hear it. Hello, you have reached the Q Continuum. We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence your feeble mortal mind cannot possibly comprehend. Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we, of course, already knew that you would call and we simply do not care. Have a nice day. Please send me that number. That <laughs> Just is look... so cool. Yeah, isn't that great? I'll that text it to you later. Awesome. So Q, uh, so John Delancey's having a, a ball in this episode. He gets to do his little like Sigmund Freud uh, therapist bit, yes. and then he he does his uh, and then he's talking to the way he's talking to Adam. He's like, you know, like I, you know, time is not on my side at this time at this moment. But you know, if you want to just check this out and you know, blah blah blah. I really appreciate. I really like his his role in that, and I I think that. Adam seems to be a cool character that I can't wait to see more of. I agree. What do you think his um what do you think his ultimate role is in this series? Because I know right now Q's kind of hinted at like, hey, I need you to do a job in order to get the the remain the true actual antidote for your for your daughter. So I need you to do something for me and it revolves around Renee Ricard. I have no idea. Bless, Bless me. You. So sorry. Bless you, I have too. no. I have no idea. I think it's potentially. Like he's very important. Mm -hmm. Somehow he is very important. He has a statue in the 25th century. He he has to be important somehow, and somehow he's super xenophobic to the point that he turns the entire planet xenophobic. But his daughter is not human at this moment. No, his daughter's human. She goes and says. Maybe it was just me looking into it too much, but she goes and says, "Was my mother a good swimmer?" And he hesitates heavily. Oh, you're right. That's a good call. I didn't notice that. There you go. I I took it as, I took it as she, she died horribly or whatever. Okay, I always thought it like maybe she are he's already created a non-human entity. But it's not perfected that he can go and bring it out to the world and showcase it off as like, hey, this is humanity at its perfect form. I don't know. That'd be interesting. I'm I'm curious to know how because so we've got Renee Picard, who at this mm -hmm. moment we are look who at, at this moment in time we are looking at she is if, if her mission is successful. The Federation is back. We saved. We saved the timeline. Everything's perfect. If she goes to Europa. We're, we're that's we're all good. We're that's all good. Yeah. And then we have Sung, who we've just been introduced as, who we've who we've known is somehow important to turning the Confederacy into a into a totalitarian xenophobic nightmare. Mm -hmm. And we don't quite know how these two are meant to interact, how they're, how, in, even if the, all, either of those are true, I don't know, man. It's very interesting. Because the, if you look at the holographic net that he has over Corey, mm -hmm. um, she, that's the same holographic net that's over the Earth in the 25th century. Yes, I remember that. So, 
curiouser and curiouser. I, I, like I said, I, I have to tip my hat off to these writers for the ingenious ability to do what they do and create so far create a masterpiece. I think they are they are certainly weaving a tapestry that I am heavily invested. Yeah, you and me both. You and me both. There's a line that I want to bring up. Um, so it's it's revealed that Renee has anxiety and has depression. Mm -hmm. I do too. I don't mean to get real with you, Cookie. It's all good. Um, but I do too. It, and, it, and it was so, so important to me that there is a character in the show who went to space with anxiety and depression saved humanity as we're right right now and picard has a line picard has a line that has become one of my favorite lines in all of star trek he says depression in a human can be debilitating she's she's maybe lucky to survive mm -hmm. i feel so seen <laughs> it was just it's, such a beautiful moment for me and i think it it it's a perfect timing for what's going on in reality, in our reality, with mental health being such uh, an importance and such put into the forefront of reality right now for us. Mm -hmm. Because I know in the past it was something that was, well, you can't see it. So do you really have depression? Are you really going through anything? But now it's become something that's very severe and very yeah. um, important to people. We're looking at now, it now. We're looking at it now as a disease. Yes. Which it is. Yeah. Uh, it's a, just a disease of the mind. And and to have this kind of moment of compassion happen. Like, it's, it's the end where he says, she's maybe lucky to survive. Like, every day would for, for Renee would be a struggle. Go, doing this mission, succeeding in this mission would be a struggle. But she did it. She overcame that. Persevered, yeah. She persevered through it. Because, again, depression is a disease. It is mm -hmm. something that has killed many people. It's killed Robin Williams for crying out loud. Yeah, not so. Speaking of that, <laughs> that you said that. Um, so you opened up a little bit, so I'll open up a little bit as well. Go ahead. My dad actually passed away a few years now from the same disease that Robin Williams had, and it's uh, Lewy body dementia. So you end up having oh, yeah. hallucinations, and you really go down the steep rabbit hole of losing your mind, and you kind of forget a lot of things and. It can take years to happen. It can happen in the blink of an eye. For my dad, he had it for years. We didn't know. And then we took him to the hospital. Two weeks, he passed away. Yeah. So um, with Robin Williams, one of the things that I know, especially based off my dad, is that he did not want to go through that situation of having to realize, hey, I'm not going to remember things. I'm going to start seeing people. And that depression really kicked in for him. And I, this is me just based off of my what I, have, what I saw with my dad. And it's like, it, it is crazy to think that these writers, what they're doing is, it goes back to hope. Picard is the hope for Star Trek. And I think that this girl, Renee Picard, became like a beacon of hope for people who are going through depression and feel like they can't amount to something. But now they have somebody, if they are a Star Trek fan or watching Star Trek, that Yes, what I'm going through right now will pass, but I don't know if it will pass. But you have to persevere on to see what's going to happen in the future. And who knows 
you'll have something bright at the end of the tunnel. I don't. I want to go back to you said that Picard is like hope. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. I think Picard is compassion. No, no, not Picard as a series. No, I no, I, I know, but I I mean oh. to say I mean to say both as a character in a series. I think okay. what we've seen, maybe not in the first season, but in this season, is compassion. You know, he he has such a compassionate look at people. He always has. You go back to the yeah. next generation. He he's always he's always his his compassion is what always made him important. It made him unique. Mm-hmm. And I think looking at like you know, number one, his dog. Um, the Lars and Jaban in the first season, he took him in because he was compassionate to the plight of the Romulan people because he he, he felt he like cares. he failed them. But yeah, he um, cared. He cared. And so like having um, kind of this moment of like, you know, Orla Brady talks about like, you know, she is looking like she's not going to do the mission anymore because she's because she's going through these things and he, and he doesn't, he's like, oh, he, he's not he had a very real moment of like what she needs is someone to talk to. And unfortunately her therapist is like, yeah, you should be scared. It's the worst person to talk to. (laughs) You should be scared. And his, his anger man, his anger his like lash up. It's like, that's no therapist. That's Q is so good. It was good. So good. Okay. Um, let's see what else I got here. Um, oh, I took the uh, I took the thing where he says uh, uh, records of this time are wildly inaccurate to be because mm-hmm. of World War III, because a ten year long war, nuclear war, would have wiped out tons of records from yeah. from before the t- before that. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just their way of being like, yeah, we might come back again. We don't want <laughs> we don't want to set timelines again. But I also think that it could be. With history, there's always, of course, the normal phrase is there's always two sides to a story, but there's actually like the three sides to a story. There's their side, your side, and then the person that's non-biased looking over, watching everything kind of take place. Yeah. So maybe this is the same situation where the histories are written two separately that there's never been an entity to watch it and see it unfold in front of their eyes being unbiased. Maybe. But no matter what would happen... A, a ten-year-long nuclear war that wiped out most of the major oh, yeah. cities and oh, all yeah. of the world and the whole world would have a an impact. Would have a major impact. I think what's interesting is people think that like the eugenics wars would probably. I don't think the eugenics wars would have had a major impact on the on the world's economy. I think that because of the eugenics wars, mostly. If I man, I hope I'm right, and I think the eugenics wars mostly happen in like Asia and Europe. Okay. Um, I, th- you know, we wouldn't see major ramifications of, of this war in 2024. Um, but something like World War Three, which was all over the place mm-hmm. and nuclear and, you know, you go back to the first contact when they like most of the major cities were destroyed, like that would have a major impact on life, uh, sure. and, yeah. and would completely change the, the landscape of the planet. Mm-hmm. Well, the eugenics wars are bad. I don't think they were as bad as World War Three. Correct. Correct. Um. Anyway, that's enough Star Trek history. <laughs> <laughs> there. So Agnes. No. I, before I go back to Agnes and, and the Queen, because so good. Um. 
when they break um, Rios out of the bus. Yes. Uh, Raffi and Seven. Seven is really trying to be compassionate towards Raffi. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think she's succeeding. I think she's like, you you need to take a breath. Like I'm here yeah. for you. I'm you got my back. I got your I back. Got, I'm yeah. I'm here for you. And and when she sees when she pre- thinks she sees Elnor oh. come out of that bus, because her grief is manifesting and 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 like hallucinations and and whatever. Like it, it's it's kind of heartbreaking to see it her is. go through this. It definitely is. I, I like the fact that Seven did have a form of compassion and it was just like a brief a brief solace for Raffi when she held her hand, like really embracing and saying, like, I really have your back. Like I'm not just saying this, yeah. But I actually have your back. And she grabbed her hand. I was like, that's a very beautiful moment. It's very They love very each other. Yeah, absolutely. You can tell. Yeah. Uh if this season doesn't end with them kissing, I'm gonna be very upset. You and me both. You and me both. Cause like I just love love, dude. I love love. <laughs> One, they're both very attractive people. And two, they play the love card very well. Can I can I also bring up the fact that like so apparently I haven't seen this. I really try not to bring like Twitter arguments to my shows. I really mm-hmm. try not to, but it's really hard because I'm very much on Twitter. But like um there's been apparently been a lot of ageism in the Star Trek fandom. And I just want to I just want to put it here that I think it is very cool that we have a show that has two women in their 50s maybe I think that's how old they are mm-hmm. um in a romantic relationship and then three leads in their 80s and up yes and they're not they're they're not saying that like they're not trying to hide how old they are they're embracing it they're saying like mm-hmm. no of course they this is how old they are, but they also live in a utopian society where it doesn't matter. Yeah, correct. And I think that is what's also really cool is if you go to the Strange New Worlds trailers, Pike is gray. Really? They didn't they didn't dye his hair black. That's cool. Again, embracing that that's age. Cool. And I think that's really yeah. neat that like, you know, it's not just oh, age is age is just a number. It's not quite that, but it's it's cool to see that we're that we are living in a in a place where these actors can still be these kind of heroes at their mm-hmm. age. You know, much like how the original series, you know, towards the like Undiscovered Country, they're very old in that movie. So old. <laughs> but like they're still action heroes. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. I agree. Like it's kind of it's kind of silly watching Kirk try to fight someone at his age, but but oh got a cramp oh no but like you know it's there's there's something to be said that there are so that there are so many shows on tv right now and star trek being one of them where actors are allowed to play the age that they are yes and And with no shame correct i think that is a testament to gene roddenberry and his vision of the society he wanted us to live in and what is displayed in in star trek yeah God, I, love I, Star dig Trek. It. I dig it. I love Star Trek. Okay. Let's talk about uh, Gerardi and the Queen. Yes. That was very interesting. Gerardi, Allison Pill is is so good in the season. And when the, the Queen 
tricking the police to come in to, to come um come to Chateau Picard. God, when are they going to put a Star Trek character with a stammer? Because then I'll fi- I'll really feel seen. Um, <laughs> to come to Chateau Picard and to have this um have this plan because she wants yeah. Gerardi. Yeah. Um, so good and Gerardi like the thing where it's like you know the the over the speaker and she knows something wrong, immediately goes for that gun. Yes. I was like, yeah, you're going to need that. Big time. Um, I like the fact that she still stayed asleep. Like, she was literally deep in sleep. And then it was, like, the fourth time really calling her name, like, hey, wake up. Yeah. I like that. Uh, It does kind of, like, why hasn't she used that tentacle before? The queen? Yeah. Like, she could have used it at any time. Why didn't she? Why didn't she? Whatever. It's a good story. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not complaining. Well, I think because... It was in clo- which tentacle? The tentacle to grab the cop or the the tentacle other- to grab the cop? Okay, okay. Um, what purpose would it serve if she did it any other time besides just them two alone? Oh, she wanted Gerardi. Just yeah. At any time, what's going to stop her? A ninety-year-old man? Yeah, I guess you got a point. <laughs> right? You got to. Hey, we're just talking about his age and age not being a number. He could stop. He's him. not doing action scenes. <laughs> He's not getting into fights. Last season he did. He ran up those stairs pretty quickly. Oh, no, he didn't. I love they him. But no, they he didn't. <laughs> there's a scene in this in this he has a hard time bending his knees, you can tell. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of scenes where he has a hard time like getting up off the couch when he's in mm-hmm. uh Orly Brady's apartment. By the way, fun callback of calling coming out of the safe. Good stuff. Um yeah. and the uh there's a bit where he, where Elnor is passed out, and he's kind of, he's like, he's like doing a lunge, like you know when you know, you're in gym and you're doing a lunge. Yes. When it's supposed to, he's supposed to be on his knees at looking at Elnor, but he can't because he's so old. He's old, yeah. Um, I just he's thought that was kind of funny. Years old right now. Is he? Wow. Yeah. He, uh, I think, Picard was okay. So he's 81 years old. When was Picard born? Because I believe. I believe when was Picard born? Twenty three oh five. So twenty three oh five is twenty four oh one. So what's twenty three oh five minus twenty four oh one? No, the other way. Twenty four oh one minus twenty three oh five. Yeah. Uh, right. Minus twenty three oh five. So he's ninety six. Picard. Okay. My so, grandfather is two years younger than that. Wow, good for him. Yeah. Uh, my dad's turning 90 next year, I believe. Oh, yeah. Happy early birthday. Thank you. For him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it was, I believe, and I don't remember where I heard this, but I've kind of always ran with it that the cast of the next generation were playing people who were 10 years older than them. Older than them. Okay. Because the idea would be that our our life expectancy was longer in the 24th century, so we would look younger when we were older. Makes sense. So it makes sense that an 81-year-old would play a 96-year-old. Mm-hmm. Anyway. What were we talking about? Okay, so Agnes. Agnes is coming in. His, she's got a shotgun. She's ready to kill the queen because the queen's going to kill... The, the queen's like, I'm walking out of here either in his body or yours. Or your body. Uh, and she... She shoots. She does. Do you think she made the right call? Yes. 
Okay. Uh, I think that I think that was absolutely the right call because I think even without the without the assimilation, she mm. would have been able to get them home. Like she would have been able to get them home. Um. But. I re- so I really like this angle of assimilation. I'm really into this idea of like, you know, it's belonging. It's you. It's 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 not assimilation. It's not forceful. It's you want it. You want to be part of the collective. You want to not be alone. You want to have that belonging because in the collective, all voices are heard all the time, and we're all together yeah. all the time. Uh, and she's playing off the idea that Agnes is so lonely. She, the queen, does not have the luxury of sending a horde of Borg drones to assimilate an entire planet. So she's yeah. taking the approach of of enticing an assimilation, of being like, doesn't this sound good, Agnes? Don't you want this? Which is like, no. Like, it's just, it's literally the polar opposite of, she's alone all the time, to once you get assimilated, you're never alone ever again. But for someone who's incredibly lonely, for someone who deals with depression, um, it can feel enticing. Like, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I kind of buy what she's what she's selling. Really? If I didn't have if I didn't have decades worth of stories that tell me that the Borg are just mindless zombies, yeah, kinda. It's kind of nice. But that's the thing. She she does know that. She knows. But she's never experienced it. Fir- she's never experienced it firsthand. All right. Which is very I'm different. Hoping, I'm hoping I'm right with this 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 accusation here. You've you've heard about cocaine and what it can do to people. Oh yeah. Do you just go and say, well, you know what? Screw what I heard. I'm gonna go and take cocaine anyways. But in 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 fairness, she has already gotten a taste of being assimilated, oh, remember? Well she's she's had she's got a little little she's got a little <laughs> she's had a little. That makes sense. Okay, yes. I can right? I can I can go what you're saying. So it's the same metaphor, essentially. She's had a yeah. little cocaine already, and she's kind of like, you know, that felt good. Maybe I want some yeah. more. That makes sense. That, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So, you she, know. She played it well. I I think she also did, though. I think she made the right choice with saving the cop's life, because if the queen got into the cop's body, he's he's dead. Yeah. I do wonder what, a, what an assimilation looks like for the queen, because it's not... Because she's looking at this as making a new body. Mm-hmm. It's not like she's making a new drone. Correct, yeah. So I do, I'm curious about this aspect. And we'll see, we'll see it explored next episode, um, I'm sure. But I like I like how it, how it was revealed. So we see that she killed the queen. First off, it's already been established that a, a boar can't adapt to bullets. Yeah. <laughs> because that's also in first contact. So bullets are your safe, safest bet when it comes safest to the Borg. Bet. Um, and we don't know that she's, we just see her, she has the blood on her and, and, um, everyone's just kind of like, everyone's not quite sure how to make of that. It's like, oh, you know, you saved the cop. Like, you know, okay. Like (laughs) you're, you're okay. The cop's okay. We're good. And it's really funny when, when Picard and, or, and, um, Talon comes (laughs) up, it's just like, why are they carrying a dead cop? I'm, I'm sure he's not dead. He's not. I'm sure there's an explanation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was so good nice little yeah, humor. that was good um there's some good humor in the show like yeah. there's some genuinely funny humor in the show i agree um like when they're like so wait so she looks like yep 
Are we going to talk about it? Nope. <laughs> good call. Good, good conversation. Yeah. Um, so Orla Brady, so, so, so the war queen, and so it's revealed at the party because they have this plan to get into this party to mm-hmm. protect Renee from yeah. Q to, to get her into this quarantine place because once they're in, once she's in, we're good. Mm-hmm. We've saved the future. But so they think. They have to do it without being seen. So they have to stay as almost like another watcher. They're yeah. the extension of the watchers. So they send Agnes in because Agnes can put that can kind of push them through in, in, in there. Agnes has a fun bit where it's like, yeah, I took ancient coding when in, in, in college. I finally get to use some of it. Yeah. That's funny. That That's pretty funny. Cool. Um but when she's captured, classic mid two thousands. Uh, a fake capture story from yeah. Star- from, coming from Star Trek. You know, the Dark Knight, the Avengers, Spectre, Everything. no, Skyfall. Skyfall, yes. Uh, don't mess with the classic. Um, it's revealed that when she shot the Borg, she felt the Borg die. She felt the Queen dying. Yeah. Um, because she still had a bit of the Queen inside of her. And again, going back to the cocaine metaphor, um, <laughs> and she had, and so her, in her kind of um, uh, fear of feeling, uh, her pain of her fear, she gets a little too close to the queen because as every Star Trek fan knows, it, once, once a board can, if a board can touch your skin, you can be assimilated. Yeah, it's game over. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a cool little We've never seen, like, the... I don't believe... I don't believe we've seen the Queen ever assimilate someone. I don't remember every... I don't remember every episode of Voyager, so correct me if I'm wrong. But the the nodules came out of her fingertips Mm -hmm. into the... into Gerardi's skin. Good stuff. It was. It was really good. And it was honestly... Like, I kind of knew it was coming. And I know it's in the trailer, because I saw the trailer. But I forgot about it, and and it was surprising when, like, the Queen kind of, like, Puts her arm next to her, and it's just like, "So, what are we doing?" <laughs> Once I saw, I was like, "That's that's so cool." And then that's got to be like so weird for her to like now literally have the assimilation of two people in your mind. Yet you, you're Mark Spector, if you will. Hmm. In a way, uh, well, it's Mark Spector if Kanshu was in his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not necessarily Mark Spector, Stephen Grant. It's 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 Conchu and Mark. Um, okay. To use a, sh- a show that just dropped on Wednesday, guys, check out Moon Knight. Um, we're late enough; nobody's watching anymore. Did you watch that, Moon Knight? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you watch Moon Knight? I did. I did watch it. Did you like it? I did Uh-oh. watch it. No, no, no. I I think that because I don't have as much knowledge on Moon Knight. That going into this, I was a little lost. Like, thank God I have mm. a brief amount of knowledge on him. But my wife sat there and she's watching. She's like, I have no idea what's going on. She's like, it looks cool, but I have no idea what's going on. In fairness, are you supposed to know what's going on in the first episode? At least some form of plot. Yeah, there's a plot. She Ethan Hawk wants to. Ethan Hawk wants to get the scarab thing. Yeah, but I mean, is that really just? There's more to it than just that. And the more will be revealed as the episode goes on. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. You're Just so saying, right. man. These these uh, serialized television shows, they play by different rules. Yeah. 
They don't oh, have fair. two hours to make something happen. It's true. But then it's again, fair though. I haven't. I I I, I like the episode. Uh, we haven't done an episode on it yet. Did you see with her when she was walking in and she's talking? Like instantly, once that happened, like of course we both don't know necessarily what the what Picard's idea is of his grand plan. Yeah. But when she walks in and she's talking, I'm like, girl, will you stop? And you see the the different actors around her, like kind of looking at her strange, like why is she talking to herself? I'm like, this girl needs to shut up. She needs to shut up. And then it clicked. I'm like, ah. Oh. I knew from the get go that the okay. plan would be that she was going to get captured. And I like Picard's thing. He did this in the first episode, in the in the first season too, where he's like, "I've got a plan to get into this party." And his his plan in the first season was to put on an eye patch and a bad pirate accent. <laughs> I um, loved it. <laughs> so, like, hopefully, this plan goes a little bit better. Um, See, yeah, I'll but yeah, I I knew stupid, that. The, so. I knew that there was the plan was to for her to get captured. Gotcha. Okay. Because that'd be the only way that they can get that they can get in. Because Orla Brady says, uh, "We can only." I can only push one person through. Once we're in, like that's it. And to get everyone in, we got to get into the control room. Okay, mm -hmm. well, how are you gonna do that? You're gonna get captured. Very true. I did like the the little banter where it's like, why is she handcuffed? So like, what, what do you mean she was a trespasser? She's probably from Newport Beach. <laughs> we're gonna get sued. That was good. That was, oh, that was funny. Cute. There was a there's a line that Q says again. If you're not from LA, you're probably not gonna you're probably not gonna find this as funny as I am. But there's a line that Q says. Where he's like, you drove an hour to meet a complete stranger. It's like, man, you're right. You're probably like 20 minutes away, but he drove that hour because that traffic is murder. Yeah, I have. Thank God I haven't experienced that. LA traffic, man. Ugh. I don't ever want to. Awful. Okay, let me see if I have any more notes, and I think I'm done. Um, yeah. Okay. Renee, hopefully she's a good person. Hopefully she yeah. gets on that Europa mission, and hopefully we get our Federation back. I agree. You and me both. And uh, uh, I'm very curious what's happening with Q. <clears throat> There's something wrong with him. Either he's scared of something, he's dying. There's something wrong with him, and I'm I'm mm -hmm. so curious to know what know what that is. Same here. All right, I'm good. You good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. All right. I'm excited for the next episode. Well, we're all caught up on Star Trek Picard. Why don't you plug your stuff? Uh, you can find me on social media, on Instagram at Just Little Podcast, on Twitter, which I am trying to get like Brandon so I can be more active on there, uh, Just Podcasting. Uh, I have a Patreon where if you sign up for as little as $3 a month, you gain uh, access to the Patreon, but then $5 a month gets you access to all the exclusive shows that I'm doing. Uh, I just finished recording... Uh, a brand new show that's going to be revolving around Harry Potter. So I have to go and edit that one and put that one up, uh, hopefully in the near, near future. And then how are you doing on Patreon? Do you have any subscribers? Yes, I have. How many do I have now? Um, eight subscribers right now. Man, you nailed it, dude. Like we don't got any. <laughs> it's, a, it's honestly, it's a slow burn because it's like, there's people that I've helped out and they like, they asked me about like, Hey man, I want to do podcasts. I'm like, okay. I just give them all the answers, whatever they need. And then I was like, they said, hey, I'm going to do a Patreon. I'm like, oh, They're like you got, I got inspired by you. I'm like, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And they have like 15. And I'm like, how do you guys have 15? It's always, it's always how it is. Mike, downright nerdy, Mike, he showed up, he showed up on the podcast scene. He was like, I was inspired by Fake Nerd Podcast. He's got like 400 followers on whatever. And they're like, <laughs> man, screw you. Exactly. Right. 
but yeah, it's 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 fun. It is it's a lot of work because I do put a lot of effort into it. Uh, I have you you have a lot. Of, like I gotta tell you, man. I if I had money, I would subscribe because I want to listen to those shows. I I think that's really cool that you put so many shows on that on that on that Patreon. We'll talk after. I, I got you. We'll talk after. Well, no, we won't. But yes. <laughs> anyway, continue. Um, yeah, the Patreon. So if you sign up, you can do that. It's just little podcasts or patreon.com slash just little podcasts. Uh, I'll be on this show hopefully more and more often because I love talking Star Trek and I love learning about the lore of Star Trek because I'm not as well versed as Mike and Brandon. So I'm kind of like the noob learning from you guys and I, I enjoy it. I enjoy hanging out with you both. So nice. that's it for me. Well, we we love hanging out with you. Unfortunately, Michael Carl said that my nerd podcast could not be here. Um, his work schedule is killing him right now. It seems like, yeah. man, I do not envy him. Not at all. Yeah, he's a big, busy guy. Yeah, but that'll do it for Star Trek Picard. This is Fake Nerds Watch for Star Trek Picard season two. If you want to check out more Fake Nerds Watch, if you're more interested in the Star Trek stuff, we've got Lower Decks, we've got Discovery season four, we got Lower Decks season two. Um, we got Picard season one. If you want to kind of go back through what we thought about season one of Picard, um, we have other fake nerds watches. We're probably going to do a weekly discussion of Moon Knight coming soon. Um, so stay tuned for that. That'll probably be up this week if we do it. Um, and there's plenty of other shows on this channel. If you like this video and you subscribe to this channel, you can check out Basement Arcade, Basement Arcade Pause Menu, the award winning Basement Arcade Pause Menu. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I will take all the credit, even though it is not my show. Um, uh, there's conversation, which is not an audio show. That's a that's which is not a video show. That's an audio show. You can check that out. Season two is coming soon. I'm working on that right now. Um, there is Basement Arcade is a I didn't say, but Basement Arcade is a video game let's play show. Basement Arcade Pause Mini is a video game discussion show. Um, Fickner Book Club, Animation Station. Both of those shows are discussion based shows based on animation and, and comic books. There are episodes up. We haven't put up episode on those in a long time, and hopefully we do soon because I miss those shows. Um, that's it. And of course, there's the Mothership Show, Fakner Podcast. Fakner Podcast goes live every Sunday, except last Sunday. Almost every Sunday. Um, but for good reason. But for good reason. We had an Oscar party that, that day, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, this week, we're actually going to be doing our own award show. The only criteria is we had to talk about it on our various shows. So on our channel, we talked about it. It can get nominated. Um, we, voting would be closed by the time this episode is out, but a lot of people have voted, and we're going to discuss what the winners were. Um, it's our first ever Fake Nerd Awards, and if it goes well, we're going to do it again next year. That sound, it sounds like so much fun. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, and then next week, we're going to be talking about... Because this might not go up by the time this that airs, but if it goes up on Monday or like Sunday night or whatever... And check out the Fake Nerd Award episode, and stay tuned for our Sonic the Hedgehog two episode. Woo! I still have to watch Sonic the Hedgehog one. Oh, you should. It's good. I need to. It's been on my list for so long. I just. I don't even like Sonic the Hedgehog, and I like that movie. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Well, hey, you should. The second one looks very good, and I'm very excited. Um, yeah. A lot of cool stuff coming up on the Fake Nerd podcast and on on this channel. So check that more. And we're of course we're continuing with Star Trek Picard. Hopefully on a weekly schedule again. Five more episodes left, and then we start Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I'm excited. Excited for Strange New Worlds. Um, so there's that. Of course, you can find all of the Fickner Podcast stuff on Fickner Podcast on all the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, FickNerGuys at gmail.com. We have a Patreon, as I mentioned before. 
Um, it's kind of under construction right now, but you can still subscribe, you know, if you want to. You're just not going to get anything right now. Um, so, like, if you want to subscribe, like, a dollar, you can. Um, we have you. a T Public. What? I got you guys. I'll subscribe. Okay. For a dollar? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Support um, the, There's a T Public. We got a bunch of shirts on T Public. You can check those out. Um, so, you want to support us that way. I'm also writing on a ton of stuff. I wrote, I wrote, I write a bunch of stuff for Screen Rant. There's a Screen Rant article coming up soon where I talk about all the Brent Spiner characters on Star Trek. I'm very excited for that one to drop. Um, I also write for Atomic Geekdom where I'm going through the Infinity Saga. I'm return. I'm returning to the invis and the MCU's Infinity Saga, and I'm talking about some of the most defining moments of that uh, episode. Uh, my stammer pisses me off sometimes. Um, number forty-two is up now. Um, so check that out. That'll that you can find that. Um, and then I am also the editor of Kaiju Ramen Media website, um, where I put up articles from different writers, such as anybody watching this, if they want to write for Kaiju Ramen, hit me up. Uh, BC McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Mike, did you already say what your what your handles were? No, you're not, Mike. Cookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just little podcasts on uh, Instagram and on Twitter, just podcasting. All right, we've gone long, so. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper.